Welcome to Elise's Point Conversation Edition. I'm your host, Elise Goral, mental performance consultant and point sparring athlete. Join me as I talk sport karate related topics with guests inside and outside of the sport. My guest this week is Megan Cotterell. For those of you who do not know Megan, she is an 11 time world gold medalist president of WKU Team Canada. She is the owner of Five Elements Martial Arts in Calgary. She has also been a top 40 under 40 winner, Impact Magazine Canada's top trainer and top instructor, and 2020 winner of the Women of Inspiration Award. She is currently working on the 2021 WKU National Championships for Canada and the 2021 WKU World Championships in Quebec City. It's also important to mention that Megan has been responsible for the creation of the Global Women in Martial Arts Initiative, which fights for equality and safe play in martial arts. All right, so... I really am excited to have you on the show. Is there anything you would like to say before we start? Nope. I actually have known you for a long time. I like what you're doing. I've always thought you had amazing integrity and I just, I completely trust you. This is cool. We're just going to start off with some easy questions. When did you start karate? When I was eight years old. Okay. So why did you get into karate? So I started in a couple of other sports first. So I was an avid swimmer. I did very well at swimming. I tried ballet, horrible, hated it, was not coordinated whatsoever. Tried rhythmic gymnastics, same thing. I look like a baby deer learning to walk. I was super tall, uh, very uncoordinated, did not have the agility and balance that most little kids had when they were little and starting sports and trying their best in the world. And at eight years old, I was actually getting bullied every morning. I was getting punched by another girl at my bus stop every morning. And because of all the other sports that I had tried and was unsuccessful at doing uh, and felt very alone and very much like an outsider and couldn't figure out how to be better. I was able like within my family to find a martial arts school, a karate school that I could actually walk to and get to on my own. It was in the basement of a YMCA concrete basement with pillars everywhere, uh, concrete floors. And I was the only girl and I really wanted to give it a try and build my confidence and see what it could do for me. So really a lot of the bullying and just not being athletic as a kid that led me to finding karate. What, like what year was this? You said you were eight years old. Like what kind of like decade was this? This was in the (laughs) eighties. This was in the eighties. This was the late eighties. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty old right now. I'm in my early 40s. Yeah, it was the late 80s. And of course, that was the height of the Karate Kid and all of that great stuff. I was a huge Ralph Macchio fan. Mm-hmm. And um, 
within Calgary at the time, because I had moved from Toronto to Calgary when I was little, there wasn't a lot of other martial arts around either. There was, I think, one Taekwondo studio, I think one Muay Thai studio, and there was very, very small karate studios that normally were in churches or community centers or rec centers or things like that. And that's where I happened to to come across this one. It was Goju-ru karate. So you said that you've been in, in karate since you were eight. You're now, you said, early 40s. So... 33 years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why did you stay in karate? So, yeah, I guess I've been doing this for over 33 years now and karate felt like home. So even though I was the only girl, I was the smallest, I was equally as terrible at karate as I was at all the other sports that I tried. Um, I looked like when I ran, I looked like Phoebe from Friends. So it was, it was pretty funny. And... I really enjoyed the challenge of it. I knew that it was something where if I really, really, really worked hard and practiced a lot and listened and stayed determined that I could eventually be as good or be able to keep up with all my other classmates that I looked up to. And I had a really good coach at the time. And he was extremely encouraging and patient and compassionate and put a lot of extra time and I guess compassion and and open-mindedness towards how I learned and really helped me to overcome all the challenges that I was facing at that age. And even though I couldn't do a push-up, especially knuckle push-ups back in the day, I just worked really, 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 really hard, stayed diligent, practiced and it was one of those things where it always felt like it was part of me and it always felt like something that I wanted to do and be when I grew up. At eight years old, I remember sitting in my closet after a really bad day at home and with my family and at school. And I just said, this is what I want to be when I grow up. I had no idea what that even looked like, but I knew I wanted to teach. I knew it needed to be within martial arts. And I knew that... I wanted to positively influence others physically, mentally, emotionally, and make them feel as good as I felt when I was in karate and and in martial arts. And I mean, now it saves my life every day. It gives me purpose every day. It's something that sets my soul on fire. And I'm still training and I'm still getting higher belts. I mean, I'm still a white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I'm still training every week. I just tested for higher ranks in my Olympic Taekwondo and I'm still practicing and I still want to test for my sixth degree in karate next year. That's awesome. Stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah. I like achievements and I like to push myself. Okay. Thank you for being on the show. I think it's fantastic, especially since we are here to discuss how sport karate doesn't need to change. Interesting. Strongly disagree. I think that sport karate, the rule set in general, and how cool it is as a discipline within karate and within martial arts, I think it's amazing and powerful and fun and engaging and motivating. Sport karate is super fun, super challenging, great to watch. Um, I really, really, really have enjoyed my time in sport karate and competing in sport karate 
for the sport itself, mm-hmm. the fundamentals of, you know, touching gloves with another fighter or classmate or opponent or someone from a different country and looking to score points on them, looking to physically, psychologically, mentally play this amazing game for one, two minute round or two, two minute rounds. I mean, I love that it really makes you pay attention to what kind of martial artist you are as far as your distance, your timing, your control, your movements, your comfort within yourself, your self-awareness, your confidence to go and engage in hitting someone else at such a high speed. So I think those fundamentals are really strong foundational things that do not need to change. What I do think needs to change, and I disagree with, sport karate not changing is politically. I think politically, and I think um, as far as gender equality, I think as far as how females particularly are treated within the sport karate community and what I've witnessed over a very long period of time, either having incidents uh, or exchanges happen to me or actually watching it with teammates and fighters that I really respected and looked up to, especially ones that when they were treated so badly politically and by other coaches, other officials, other referees, other sport karate fighters that are of a different gender, so male gender specifically, I watched them quit the sport altogether and never want to do it ever again. It's supposed to be an empowering sport. It's supposed to be a sport of integrity. It's supposed to be a sport of pride and challenge and achievement. And yet that's not how I felt in this, in this world and in this community. And I don't like how it's tainted my experience as a point fighter as a martial artist, as a coach, as an official, and those those things need to change. Like remembering oh. that this sport has been since, I mean, I think established in the 1970s where it was like this tough guy image. Like how has that Im- image changed? Um, I think everything's changed. I think the world in general has changed. I mean, you look at any type of male-dominated um, genre or career or sport, and you take a look at the involvement for from, last say, 100 years. So you look at, say, the military, women in combat. There was no women in combat. There, you weren't allowed to be a woman in combat. And now we have some amazing females in the armed forces. They're going through their issues of transformation and growth and transition as more females have entered this type of career when it comes to things like sexual assault, sexual harassment, biased, misogyny, things like that. But I think as we watch these male-dominated genres lean towards um, more equality, hopefully, and more open-mindedness and more um, integrity for both um, sexes. I'm seeing that that has changed in the karate world too. I mean, it was a sport where, you know, who was the toughest guy and, and who was strongest and who was coolest. And there was a lot of confidence behind that. I mean, 
I think that what males were looking for in the 70s and 80s and 90s, I mean, just as athletes, that's what we're all looking for. That's what we're all searching for. And I think though, because it it is relatively new and the dynamic of having more females in the sport is relatively new. I think for people that have been in the sport since the 60s, 70s, 80s, I think it's been a, a hard and difficult and uncomfortable transition. And for the most part, I'd like to bring more enlightenment and awareness and conversations to the table so that it does become a more equal and respectful playing field. But back in the day, I mean, it, it, it just wasn't normal to have female fighters or female fighters that have some of the opportunities that we have now. So just quickly, cause you have a lot of hats. And so how, what are your roles that you play within like the sport karate community? So within the sport karate community, I do have my own studio where I teach multidiscipline martial arts, but sport karate is one of them, um, with specific point fighting classes, with specific competitive uh, team point fighting athletes. Um, I'm also the president of the World Kickboxing and Karate Union Team Canada. So I make sure that I oversee all of the point fighters within Canada when they qualify for national championships, when they qualify for world championships, when they're traveling, what they need to be able to do, what caliber they need to be able to compete at, all the ins and outs of the rules and the pre and post, I guess, things like weight classes, medical, uh, their belts, their level of competition, travel information, that sort of thing. And then I started a global women in martial arts initiative just a few years ago. So it'd be three years ago now, almost, um, in Athens, Greece, where this initiative is geared towards providing more opportunities for females within the martial arts community, but that also makes sure that there are more divisions and opportunities within the sport karate community regionally, nationally within Canada and completely worldwide, which is phenomenal. I mean, we have a team Afghanistan for the first time and for a very long time, females were not allowed to train or compete. So I'm very excited about some of the potentially positive influences and conversations that I can bring to the table when it comes to what I can do within my own studio with my athletes Mm -hmm. and then nationally and worldwide. But one of the things that's really, really cool that I've worked on for 25 years teaching is the fact that a lot of the up and coming point fighting athletes, um, little kids or higher, but especially little kids, they don't question my role as a female coach. They don't question doing drills or training with other female athletes. Mm -hmm. They don't question any of those things because at their studio, it's half male, half female. The coaches, even in point fighting or the helpers in point fighting are half male, half female. And we really promote that, that mutual respect. Do you think that having female role models and teachers in the sport is important to the progression of the sport? I do. Um, I do see the challenges, though, of, of this 
in what I've been able to see, and my heart kind of breaks a little bit, especially over the last 20 years, is when I first started really competing in point fighting at the national, um, nationals and world championships and, and traveling to train with other coaches and at other studios and tried to learn a lot more about the sport and improve and things like that. I mean, it was all male coaches and all my training partners were male. They were all quite a bit bigger than me. There was some amazing females, you being one of them that really helped me to progress within the sport. But there is a lot of females right now that had bad experiences within sport karate and do not want to coach and do not want to teach. And it's difficult to find females in the sport karate community that are willing to still participate in the sport where there is a lot more males that have had really positive experiences and have formed careers because of those experiences or because of that sort of help and, and support they've had within the community to be able to have more opportunities to coach and teach and things like that. So right now I feel like we have a lot of work to do and it might be a long road to be able to have more female coaches wanting to teach, wanting to compete, wanting to train, wanting to be officials and wanting to support this community. I think it's just right now it's, it's, it's difficult to have the same retention within the female sport karate athletes. So, um, how can we make this better? Like not like focusing on like why this is happening. I think we could speculate why it's happening, but how can we make sure that there is more retention? I think, uh, respect opportunity and awareness are very important. I think that now with some very, very strong females, uh, that I've been able to have the support from, as well as I have had some amazing males. One being Klaus Zonemacher, who is the world president of the WKU. He and I spent a lot of time discussing the, the Global Women's Initiative, and he wants to support the growth of female divisions and female athletes within our community, especially within point fighting. And so by creating better codes of conduct, by creating more quality. We've allowed for bigger divisions, more divisions, higher prize money, which is fantastic because you need to encourage like women to actually compete at that level. It's a very, very expensive sport when it comes to traveling and equipment and, and all of that. And I know that you're very aware of these, these things. I just don't know if a lot of other people are aware of the time commitment, the costs, the traveling, the sacrifices that need to be made. But when you go to a big tournament, the prize money is sometimes five times more for males than it is for females. So moving forward, we need to encourage women to want to go after that prize money and want to work. We need to encourage the amount of sponsorships so that, you know, there is more opportunity for females to travel as well. We also need to make sure that we have really great divisions and more divisions for, for women and for girls and for teens. In male divisions, there's sometimes up to 12 different weight classes. And sometimes for women, there's only three. That's super incredibly dangerous. And to take that risk as a female, to have, which I have done, and I've broken many, many bones in my face and my body doing so. But, you know, a heavyweight woman is not 145 pounds. 
But sometimes in the sport karate world, you are, and you will fight someone that is 185 pounds and much bigger than you. And you have to sacrifice your body and your health and your wellness and your mental capacity and think about concussions and whiplash and broken bones just to compete, to make one quarter of the prize money of a male? No way. We need to do better. We need those promoters to agree to whatever they're going to pay the men to fight in that prize money, equal for women. Whatever divisions you're going to have for men, equal for women. I This is is hard for me sometimes, and it's taken me a long time to do this, but to speak up and be the forefront for women competitors and to ask and challenge and encourage more women to come forward and say, yeah, I'll try point fighting. That sounds really, really cool. This environment seems really safe and fun and has a lot of respect and equality of like, I really want to start training in this. This looks like a really cool new challenge and making it fun for everybody and have a lot more camaraderie and a sense of community. So moving forward, yeah, we need to engage more females. We need to make it safe. We need to make it affordable. We need to make it encouraging. And we need to make it as bright and shiny as it has been for males for the last 50 years. I think you have a lot of passion for it. I certainly do. Yes. I certainly do. I heard the best quote today and it was from Glennon Doyle. And she's like, you can't have courage without a little bit of rage. And I like to turn my anger and the things that have really upset me into other people, hopefully not having to go through that, those same experiences and have better. So if I can just turn all of that into fuel and, and positive passion, I think that's when things can change. And then also talking to people like you that are like-minded that would like to see amazing positive change and create this sort of awareness. Okay. This whole like Elise's Point podcast is about North American society. But looking at our own nation, like Canada is such a huge country. And let's put this into context. So between Calgary, which is where you are, and Toronto, which is where I am, there is a two-hour time difference, a four-hour flight, 2,700 kilometers from point A to B, which is about the length of two and a half Italy's. So you're one of the few that I know that have competed on both sides of Canada. And I say sides, but you know, Toronto is more central. It's not on the East Coast. How is sport karate competition out West compared to Ontario? Brutal, period, full stop. We like a hundred percent. I worked many, 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 many jobs and saved a lot of money to be able to compete in the East just to get competition, just to get better, just to have more opportunities, just to have more tournaments, just the experience of having different referees and officials and slightly different rules and just have enough female competitors for me to learn from. In the West, our population is much smaller. There is less of a sport karate presence. So there's a very 
very small sport karate presence. So when it comes to regionals, nationals, local tournaments, sport karate is in a very important division that I have um, when I hold tournaments. But there are far more kickboxing, full contact, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, and actually traditional karate tournaments than there is sport karate. So sometimes as a sport karate athlete, you need to go and compete in all different kinds of disciplines just to get any fight experience, just to learn what it's like to be in the ring, just to get some distance and timing and movement and learn about ring dominance and and lateral movements even and learn what it's like to be in a just a tournament space or, or a space that has more stress. And so within Alberta, especially sport karate has gotten a lot quieter. I'm really, really hoping to encourage that more, especially coming out of the pandemic and, you know, trying to talk to as many other instructors as possible, especially ones that I know have that sport karate background. There is also, I've been really spending a lot of time with uh, Renchi Marwan in Uh, He's in Terrace, which is northern BC, to try to see if we can even get the Western Canadian sport karate circuit stronger, Uh, whether that means that we need to meet in the middle somewhere between the border of Alberta and BC or host something in Calgary and have Team Saskatchewan come in a little bit more. But it, we really don't have the same opportunities. It's about 10 to 1. 10 being, you know, Ontario East. And then, you know, from Saskatchewan West, it's it's very, very difficult to, ha- to have competitors, tournaments, opportunities, qualifiers, things like that, where we can get the experience we need to go and compete against, you know, Team Ontario, Team Quebec. Because I found that was a really, really huge eye-opening experience being pretty good in Western Canada and then getting totally destroyed in tournaments in Ontario and Quebec just by lack of experience, lack of tournaments that uh, we were able to to go to and just lack of experience of different coaches. So yeah, we need to do a lot more work. I don't know what that's going to look like because our population is so much smaller and the driving time. I mean, just to go see Marwan in BC, who's phenomenal, it's a 13-hour drive. Yeah. It's crazy. Even just for me to go and train in Vancouver, it's a nine hour drive. So with technology like Zoom and things like that, we put up some really big screens in our studio is maybe that can help a little bit more with the sport karate community within Western Canada. But I think there still is going to have to be a significant amount of traveling from Western Canada to the States, to Europe, to Eastern Canada or bringing different and more people in to Western Canada in order to sort of bridge the gap of experience and opportunities between East and West. Mm -hmm. Because like, how do you feel like that impacts the sport? Uh, It negatively impacts the sport tremendously. We, I, I think in, in Eastern Canada, because of the distance, like how close everything is to the states and the borders and the different tournaments with the amount of population and how strong sport karate is in Eastern Canada, you guys could go to tournaments every weekend. Like competitors can go to really good competitions almost every weekend between the Eastern United States and Eastern Canada. Whereas I think we really only have three or four 
really decent sport karate tournaments in Western Canada that we can go to a year. And sometimes that means driving eight hours to, to get there and not knowing how many competitors are going to be there when you get there. Mm -hmm. So it heavily impacts it. I mean, I think trying to hold more tournaments, getting the excitement going more, putting it more into the forefront, like offering it as part of our studio programming and encouraging other studios through networking and, and more connections in the community, which I'm doing more and more to encourage this type of, you know, exciting rule set I'm, I'm hoping that we can grow it. I don't know if it'll ever be like Eastern Canada, but I think there's always room for improvement. And it's interesting because you are saying like you're doing a lot and you are doing a lot, but is it just solely your job to grow the sport in that area? No. I think you've taken it on yourself and I think you're doing an extremely great job, but. Thank you. And I, and I. I did. Thanks. I did choose to take it on. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I do get incredibly passionate and assertive and aggressive when it comes to something that I think I can do. Mm -hmm. I do need an awful lot of support and help, which from a lot of other schools, um, there are several other schools in Alberta and BC that I'm in contact with. And we chat often that really want to see sport karate grow. We do. But I just have really noticed that there are other sports in martial arts and other rule sets and disciplines that are just gaining a lot more traction. There's a lot more um, excitement around them. For for instance, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, and Muay Thai, they've had a huge resurgence, a lot of excitement. I think that's because of Glory and because of the UFC and Bellator and things like that. We don't really have the visibility uh, with sport karate, especially in media Mm -hmm. that other disciplines are getting. But I do know that I have taken a lot on, on my own. I'm not the only one. I think there, that I do have a lot of support, but at the same time, it's also very difficult to be an advocate and still try to run your studio and still try to be a coach and try to be a business owner and try to be a teacher and try to have a family as well as be passionate about these other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I have noticed is I think there now is a professional sport karate league that is gaining some momentum. And I've watched a few of the matches and it's kind of very exciting. And I think there's a second pro karate league that I just saw as well that has just started. And both of these sport karate professional leagues are getting a lot more visibility, getting a lot more publicity in the media. And I'm really hoping it will light some more fire underneath some great students and martial artists, martial artists to explore sport karate and hopefully give it some momentum. Mm -hmm. So interesting because we have a bunch, this like persona, I guess, in the media that there's usually this outside view of what karate is. So for you, What do you think of this whole concept of sport karate, specifically the fighting slash point sparring part of it? So it is interesting, people's view of karate. It is really interesting, people's view of sport karate even. I hate the fact that people have called it tag. And 
Yeah. It like infuriates me because one of the reasons why I've been so successful in kickboxing and Muay Thai and different disciplines is because of my sport karate background. Some of my hardest fights I ever had were in sport karate. Some of the like terrible black eyes and cracked noses I've had is from sport karate. Like it is a strong competitive sport that requires a lot of discipline and a lot of perfection and detail. Like I find sport karate, one of the hardest disciplines and divisions I've ever done. Like a lot harder than kickboxing because it's so precise and it's so fast and it's so particular. But there's shows like Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great show. I'm glad that there is more awareness about martial arts and karate and some of the pros and cons. But also I watch a show like Cobra Kai, knowing it's supposed to be about karate, and I'm losing my mind because I'm like, oh, did he just do a spinning crescent kick to someone's head? Awesome. We never would do that in a million years, ever. And so you look at it and it looks like in the media, it's portrayed as not necessarily as serious of a discipline as other martial arts is. But yet... I feel like when you are immersed in sport karate and you are passionate about it and you've actually taken it to those really high levels, you realize and appreciate and respect how difficult it is and how you can't really fake your way or brawl your way through it at all. And it does, no, not at all. You can't make those little mistakes that you can when you have three two-minute rounds. I have to admit, like doing kickboxing, I was happy for being able to mess up and have it not necessarily affect my round and that I was always able to keep going. I mean, if you mess up in point fighting, you're done. Like you can mess up once or twice or three times, but you have to be incredibly focused and incredibly well-trained and incredibly particular to win matches and also not get hurt because it's so fast and so particular and the scoring areas are so distinct that you can't, you can't mess around. And seeing that in the media and, and hearing in the background from inexperienced sport karate athletes and experienced karate athletes, just not having respect for that is, is difficult for me to swallow and to take. And I, and I think that it will always be a challenge to have that sort of understanding on something that is so niche. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really hope that there's more coaches that decide to integrate it into their programs and educate themselves on it. Because I think that even just as a cross-training discipline, it will improve any other discipline or any other fight style that you choose to do. I mean, look at George St. Pierre. He's an amazing UFC fighter, but his point fighting, wow. And his seriousness when it came to training point fighting was very serious. Sage Northcutt, exactly the same. Raymond Daniels, exactly the same. Unfortunately, those are all males because I don't know of any female point fighters that have become multidiscipline fighters or There's MMA that. fighters. There's Colby Northcutt. <gasps> Colby Northcutt is yeah. amazing. I, I feel bad not mentioning her. I just watched 
a few of her fights, especially her last one. And she is absolutely incredible and very precise. Yes. And very precise, very strong. Um, But just her kicks alone from point fighting are almost poetic. They're stunning and amazing. So yes, I'm, I apologize for not mentioning uh, Colby before because she is unreal, but I also feel like she is after those three previous fighters. I mean, you know, Mashida, Leota Mashida and George Champ Pierre and Raymond Daniels have been fighting for decades. And I think Colby is just starting to get the recognition that she deserves now, mm-hmm. which is, you know, look even to my detriment, which is interesting. That was, that was a good moment for me for some self-realization there. Maybe I need to uh, fangirl an awful lot more of these female point fighters that are crossing over now. I just don't think they have as much exposure. But. They, they definitely don't. I mean, even Colby is amazing, and yet I, I see so many other males and opportunities for males in the forefront, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm hoping that those male sport karate fighters and female sport karate fighters that are doing other disciplines because there is more exposure for them and there is more opportunity speak about what a great sport and discipline it is and what it's done to benefit them as a well-rounded martial artist. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's like all men are bad. It's just, you know, it's hard to know your own experience when you're in it. And that's why reflective practice is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I've had some amazing male coaches. I've had some amazing male teammates. I've had some amazing male support and I continue to have that. And I think it's also those males right now that are changing the game too and trying to advocate for, yeah, an equal and, and better playing field for everyone in general, which is, I feel very grateful that there are more people coming out and supporting each other the way that it always should have been. So going back to like the media presence, how do you think karate in the Olympics will help increase participation in the sport? Yeah, I think anything helps, to be honest. I think if you can get a foot in the door, then you can find out what's best for that athlete and you can introduce them if you have education or experience in a multi-discipline approach. So if there's a student that is watching, I mean, this is karate on TV. This is karate in the media. Like this is a huge, big deal. I mean, uh, watching chess explode just from um, Queen's Gambit. I mean, media is such a big influence and can really open up people's minds and encourage them to think outside the box and think what is possible. Sometimes you don't know what your goals are because you have never seen what could be possible. And so seeing karate at an international level on the media in the Olympics, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of amateur sport, I mean, this could really open up so many possibilities for so many individuals that never thought that this was something they wanted to do and pique their interest and get them to ask questions and get them to explore their communities. And so I think it's going to be great for karate. And I think it's going to be great for sport karate if when people look for those opportunities in karate, sport karate is still a possibility for them and a choice. 
Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think any martial arts, especially karate in the media is always, always a positive thing and a great eye-opening experience for people. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to know the difference between each one. They, I think they're all fantastic. Totally, totally. But I think because it's currently fairly niche and I don't think that we have, people in the sport community have really used their voices to get a lot of attention and and media and educate. I think it's going to have to start at that community and ground level before it starts to get bigger and better. And I mean, even for me, if I have the opportunity to showcase it more, I would like to. But if there there's interest for people even at that community level to say, I want to do that, well, when they walk in and, and into my studio, for example, and they say, I, I, I want to do karate. Okay. Well, we have grassroots karate. We have belt level karate. We have kupite, but we also have sport karate. Why don't you try? Why don't you watch a class? Why don't you see if you're interested? And then being able to explain it from there. Mm-hmm. And I think education is going to be huge and more media support. But for the time being, we might have to start right at that ground level first of explaining the difference and, and clarifying people's ideas and judgments of what it is. So you're involved in the sport at a community, provincial and national level. How are the goals different for each level and are they separate entities or how do they intertwine with each other? I feel like it is one big spider web. One big spider web of goals. It's like throwing a pebble into a pond and seeing the ripples. You have to start with the community first. That's your first pebble that you want ripples from. You have to start from the ground and build your way up. So the goals that I have are always intertwined and they always connect. If I can bring more opportunity at a community level and provide good technical instruction, an appropriate studio for training, proper equipment for training, have a great community and environment where parents are being supportive, athletes are being supportive, everyone's engaging, everybody's really enjoying the program at a community level, that's when you can start to change things at a regional and provincial and national level, but you have to start at the ground. So my goal is to promote and grow the programs within my studio and with connecting with other studio owners and and other coaches and officials all over my, my community region. But then that, that same goal is to connect these athletes all over Canada and be able to provide training or support or education or connection for them up to a national level. And then if your community is strong and your grassroots is strong, your provincial can grow to be strong. And then your regional can grow to be strong. And then your national can grow to be strong. And then your international can grow to be strong. And they all intertwine. And if you pay attention to the same fundamentals at each level, but with a different degree of specificness and elevatedness, as the playing fields get bigger, then everything should feel very interconnected and very supported and have that ripple effect all the way up to international competition. I mean, your community is where you start 
with athletes at five, six, seven, 40 years old, 50 years old that are like, my goal one day is to do a tournament. Great. Okay. Let's start there. Oh, my goal is maybe to do provincials. Great. Okay. Well, let's see what our steps need to be for there. Oh, well, I would like to try to do nationals one day. Okay, great. Let's go from there. Well, maybe if I do nationals, I do really well, then I can go to world championships. Great. Let's do that. But it's all about paying attention to what dynamics we have, how we can grow and how we can support each other in all the aspects. And so my goals are basically have a great community team, have a great regional team, support all the other coaches and instructors and gyms within those areas, and then take it as far as they want to go, mm-hmm. providing that I can help them or find people to help them to get there. If there isn't any opportunities, they can't get there. So I just have to try with whatever resources I have or reaching out to ask for help on resources or connecting with other people to create those resources so that there is opportunity for regionals, nationals, world championships. That's why I've taken my role so seriously with Team Canada and Western Canada and with the world because I knew I had the energy and the passion to want to grow it and want to to be very, very, very engaged where I think that there was some people in the past where sometimes you do it for a long time and you, and you get really, really tired. You have to have that fire going and that energy and that passion to, to not get too tired and to com- try to go uphill for as long as you can. So those are all my questions. And I think that you covered a lot in a very little amount of time. So thank you. This is great. Is there anything you would like to add or that you were wondering about as a result of this interview? I really believe in what your podcast is doing. And I really believe in what you have to say as an athlete in the sport karate community since you were little and with what you know about sports psychology and with what you know about being a coach and a competitor and a high-level athlete all the things that you've watched other competitors go through, things you've personally experienced. I, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk about this. I'm grateful that you're providing a platform to talk about this. And I'm very open to feedback and I'm very open to questions about what I spoke about and what I believe in about the sport and the future of the sport. I think more specifics I might discuss in the future, but I think this is a really, really, really great place to start to create more conversations around sport karate and women and all the different ins and outs about what this discipline brings and how we can provide further education. So that's basically it. How can people reach you or connect with you if they want to continue this conversation with you or want to work with you? So my website is fiveelementscalgary.com. So it's with a number five, elementscalgary.com. They can also find me on social media. So Megan Cotterell on Facebook, uh, Megan Cotterell on LinkedIn or Five Elements Martial Arts on LinkedIn or Facebook. On Instagram, I am Ninja Girl MMA or Five Elements MA, depending on which social media contact you would like. 
And if you'd like to work with me or contact me or have any questions or would like to make our community bigger and stronger and, you know, want to work together on promoting this amazing discipline and and opportunities for our athletes, I would be really, really excited and happy to engage. Thank you for listening to Elise's Point Conversation Edition. I also want to thank Megan again for being on the show. I love talking to her. She has such a fire for martial arts. Did you enjoy the conversation? Please subscribe and follow me on any major streaming platforms. Please rate on Apple Podcasts and even write a review. I love hearing from you and the ratings and reviews do help independent podcasters like myself very much. Music by Atch. If you're interested more in what I do, please check out my website at embodiedmentalperformance.com or email me at embodiedmentalperformance at gmail.com.